everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Mid-American Bandwagon Podcast, episode 22. I uh, hope everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving and is emerging from their food and football coma after the weekend. Uh, I am Zach Follador, joined as always by my co-host, Sam Thillman. Sam, how you doing, man? I mean, good. Has I had a great Thanksgiving break. Uh, yeah, other than that, just keep rolling around, keep uh, bringing out this uh, Mac content. Yeah, man. And we, you know, we were, it's everyone listening, you know, we, we were talking right before the show and um, it's just that time of year in sports. There's, there's so much going on. We got football going right now. We got men's basketball. We got women's basketball. We got so much stuff to talk about. So with that being the case, Sam, let's just go ahead and, and, and jump right into this. We got, uh, we got some news that we wanted to cover for you guys this week. And, um, and we'll actually start out with some, uh, some news on the men's basketball front. The MAC the other day, um, they announced a couple changes to the MAC men's basketball schedule. Uh, Sam, did you want to run down that for us? Oh uh, yeah, so they just kind of adjusted the schedule a little bit. I'm going to run through uh, each matchup and then each uh, day they decided to move it to. So first off, we got Toledo at Eastern Michigan that that is moved to Friday, December fourth, uh, 2020. Buffalo at Bowling Green is now Sunday, December sixth. Akron at Kent State is Saturday, December 19th. Uh, the Battle of the Michigans, uh, Central Michigan at Western Michigan is December 22nd, so three days before Christmas. We got Ball State at NIU, Tuesday, December 29th, and then Ohio at Miami, Tuesday, December 29th as well. Yeah, and it, and it looks like they did that because um, I guess as they relooked at the schedule, you know, they realized that um, a lot of teams had, you know, three games the week leading up to the men's, uh, to the MAC tournament in, in March, on March 10th. So I guess they wanted to spread those games out a little bit. And I would imagine this probably also gives them, uh, you know, a little bit more flexibility if things need to, you know, be postponed or whatever. It's so, it's such a weird thing in, in basketball this year, Sam. I mean, we got teams that are playing like three game non-conference schedules and then jumping right into the, to, you know, to conference play, as opposed to, you know, you typically get your, you know, what, 10, 11, 12 non-conference games. It's going to be interesting to see how these teams adjust. Yeah, and it's we're not going to be able to see a lot of, I would say, a lot of film on them, a lot of game to figure out these teams because, like you said, we've only got three games. Like, yeah, the Ball State versus uh, Michigan game didn't look the best, but, again, it's Michigan. The only other game they played is Northern Kentucky. So with this limited amount of um, games each team is playing, each team's not going to have a lot of film to go off of. If you have a lot of returning starters, then yeah, you have last seasons, but if you change the offense a little bit or whatnot, yeah, it, it doesn't really help each team prepare for uh, conference play, which could shake things up a little bit moving forward. Yeah, certainly. So I think, uh, you know, similar to, to football, Sam, I, I would think that, you know, those teams that have the continuity and veteran leadership returning are, are probably going to, you know, be the teams that are most prepared for conference play. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I mean, yeah, that could be the case, but at the same time, we don't really know. A lot of these um, MAC teams have been, I'm going to be frank, have been struggling against the, these non-conference games. We saw the Central Michigan against the D2 team. We saw um, Northern Illinois struggle against uh, SIUE, I believe. So yeah. I, it's not looking good for the MAC's looking, but maybe that creates an even more balanced playing field heading into uh, December and January. Sure. Yeah, you're, you're right about that. And, and to keep it along the, the lines of uh, the basketball news here, Sam, 
one of the, the, the national breakout stars here over the past week was, was Jason Preston from, from Ohio, who obviously had a couple great games in Champaign as, as the Bobcats almost knocked off Illinois. And uh, he got some national recognition, recognition after those performances, Sam. Yeah, and I don't know if you watched the game, but they were touching on Jason or Preston's story, and it was just so interesting where he was just like fighting around. He he was on the C team at one point, only had like two or three offers, and Ohio came along, offered him. He obviously accepted. He put out his own like mixtape, and they offered him based on that. That was super cool. And one, he had one heck of a game against Illinois. I think he's starting to get some recognition like he deserves. And, yeah, shout-out to Ohio. They couldn't get it done against Illinois, only losing by two, I believe, on a last-second shot against Illinois, who's a, I believe, top-10 team. But, yeah, Jason Preston definitely deserves it. 31 points, six boards, eight assists against Ohio. He had one heck of a performance. And you know what's funny to me, and actually uh, someone had pointed this out on on Twitter, and I I agree with. The thing that's funny to me is – it, it's funny that like the national media is all of a sudden flocking to, to, to Jason Preston, but he's the same guy now that he was last year. You know, he, he was, ju- he did the same thing last year. He's one of the best guards in the Mac. He's super athletic. He's a great shot maker. I mean, you look at his, his stats, these first three games um, that earned him the, the, the conference player of the week award. I mean, he shot 58% from the field. He was 26 of 45, seven for 13 from three point range. I mean, this is a guy that has really, um, he, you know, he's been a star in the Mac here for, for some time. And it seems like now nationally, you know, you have a, a performance like that on a national stage against Illinois. And it seems like people are finally starting to take notice. I mean, it's kind of like the same thing I equate to the Jarrett Patterson, where you have eight touchdowns, yeah. 400 yards, and suddenly people recognize that you're actually worth the crap, essentially, like, sorry, but like, people like don't pay attention to the Mac unless they have these breakout performance performing the big stage. And that's basically what happened. They saw what he did against Illinois and was like, hey, this guy's actually good, which I mean, we've seen he's actually really good he was on the mac all freshman team in 2018 to 2019 he was second team all mac last year like this dude's for real i think he was i could be wrong i think he was on the preseason first team if i I could be wrong on that that's correct that's correct yeah so like he these players are actually good from the mac it's just when you have these performances the media just tends to like flock to them yeah and and i i agree with that completely sam and Hey, that's part of why we're doing this podcast. We want to get some some extra vil- visibility to some of these uh, these these MAC players and, and and MAC programs and MAC teams. Keeping it in the in the basketball realm and and uh, also keeping it at Ohio. One of the 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 notable results from this past week was the women's basketball team from Ohio knocking off Notre Dame. And Sam, they were named the NCAA.com uh, team of the week. Yeah, Ohio's had one heck of a week. We just mentioned Jason Preston. Now Ohio's named NCAA.com's um, team of the week for upsetting, I believe, number 22, Notre Dame, uh, 86 to 85. Big start for the Ohio Bobcats opening 2-0. Big performances from CC uh, Hooks, who had 32 points. Erica Johnson, uh, 56 points. I believe CC Hooks was named MAC Player of the Week, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. They just... They just dominated. I, I love seeing Notre Dame go down as my brother went there. I loved it when <laughs> Ball State beat them in men's basketball. Now Ohio's getting it done in uh, women's basketball. You just love to see it. Yeah, shout out to Ohio Bobcats for getting it done. Yeah, huge win for their program. That's their first ever win 
for uh, the Bobcats over a ranked opponent um, for the women's basketball program there. So exciting stuff happening in Athens with both basketball programs. Both of them will be back in action uh, this weekend. Uh, the Bobcats open Mac, or the women's basketball team, I should say, open Mac play on Saturday uh, at Kent State. And then the men's team returns to action at 2 p.m. on uh on Sunday, they are playing, let me make sure I'm right here. I believe they're playing Cleveland State, if I remember correctly. Uh, yes, Cleveland State at, at six, uh, two o'clock on Sunday. So uh, both of those teams will be back, back in action this weekend. Hopefully that uh, they can uh, you know, build on the momentum that they've already kind of uh, started here over the last week or so. Um, let's move into some, uh, some football news here, Sam. Obviously, we'll, you know, we'll get to the games themselves later, but as far as this week's uh, schedule goes, um, that we had a postponement. Um, unfortunately, it looks like Kent State's having some issues on their roster. Yeah, uh, so the, if you don't know already, if you're not on Twitter following Hustlewell, they tweeted out that the Saturday's game between Kent State and Miami, Ohio has been canceled. Unfortunately for you Red Hawks fan, that means you guys cannot unfortunately repeat. I think Kent State still has a chance if like Buffalo loses and then Kent State wins their final game or whatnot. So mm -hmm. uh, Golden Flashes, you guys are still in the race for Detroit. But unfortunately for you Red Hawks fan, as, as a result of this game cancellation and due to roster issues within the Kent State football program due to positive COVID tests, uh, this game has been declared no contest and you are out of the running for the, the MAC championship. Yeah, it is too bad for, for Miami not getting the chance to, uh, to defend their title. Unfortunately, though, I just think that's, you know, 2020 being 2020. We got, we're kind of getting thrown curveballs and we got to roll with the punches. Um, yeah, so Miami will finish up their season on December 12th against Bowling Green. Kent State's final game of the season also on December 12th will be against uh, Ohio. Too bad for, uh, for both teams here that they don't get another chance to compete this season. Um, however, though, we, we, we talked about this a lot that, you know, they're, they're, they've said that they're going to put the health and safety of the players first, as they should. And obviously with some COVID issues at Kent State, um, that, that's kind of what ruled the day here. Still a full slate of five MAC games on Saturday this weekend, though. So thankfully, we, we won't be bored in that regard. Now, as far as Kent State's last game, again, we'll, we'll cover this game in more depth later in the show, uh, but they went up against Buffalo. Obviously, Buffalo had a huge day. Uh, Sam, they've got some individual awards that they got after that performance and some team awards as well. Buffalo, yeah. Jared Patterson was named the Maxwell Award Player of the Week, and then uh, the Buffalo team itself was named Suits National Team of the Week. We all know how great a performance Jared Patterson did. 400 yards, eight touchdowns. Unfortunately, Leipold, Lance Leipold decided to take him out before he could break the 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 uh, whose whose record was it? It was um, uh, Perrine from Oklahoma. Uh, Perrine from yeah. Oklahoma had the rushing record. I think he did it two years ago against Kansas, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and I think he was what like 19 yards short of it. They it was, were he was very close. Yeah, he was it was like less than 20 yards. Yeah. And they were on like the 19 or something, so if they just could have rushed it. But I don't know whether that's true or not, whether he didn't know or not. Because, like, let's be honest, you you know, if you see your running back have that much success, you know, like, let, let's be honest. We, we it, like, I think Leipold knew what he was doing. I, yeah, I, I tend to agree with you there. But to be honest with you, as impressive as the, the showing was from Jared Patterson and as impressive as he's been all year, um, I think it was just as impressive kind of after the game, how he handled uh, the, the recognition, right? Where he, 
He talked, he gave all his credit to his O-line. He talked, he talked about them a lot. He talked about Kevin Marks a lot. He talked about the rest of their offense. Just seems like a very team first player. That's not to diminish what he's done individually, though. I mean, this is a guy with 900 rushing, 920 rushing yards and 16 touchdowns in, in four football games. I mean, that is absurd any way you look at it. The guys, you know, he's fifth in the country in rushing yards right now. The, 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 the guys in front of them, all of them have played at least eight games. And some of those guys, he's like, he's within 20 yards of them, 30 yards of them. So the, what the, the numbers that he's putting up right now are just, you know, mind boggling. And, and I think, um, you know, his, he's, he's not the biggest guy, but man, the way he runs and, and, and the way he plays, I mean, I definitely think he's going to find a home on Sunday and I'm looking forward to continuing to watch him. Yeah, no doubt. And I think if he had more games, we could potentially be sitting here talking about potential Heisman finalists for him. Unfortunately, he only gets those six games. Plus, if Buffalo ends up reaching the MAC championship, that will be seven. Other than that, like if if he had a solid 10, 12 game schedule and he he keeps putting up the numbers he does, how can you deny him at least from a, a top five, top 10 finalist position? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, if you think about it, he's averaging 230 rushing yards a game right now. I mean, if you if you put that out over a 12 game season, I mean, that's almost 2,800 rushing yards that yeah. he he could potentially have this year. You add in a potential conference championship game and a potential bowl game, it's not out of the question that he could have averaged three thousand or could have had 3,000 rushing yards this year in a in a full season, which is unbelievable even to think about. And it's too bad that we're not going to get the chance to see it. Um, but also, not only Jared Patterson, but the entire Bulls team really had a day on Saturday. And, and, and Sam, they, they were uh, also selected, similar to uh, the, the women's basketball team at Ohio. It looks like they also got some National Team of the Week recognition. Yeah, they were named the Suits National Team of the Week. I've, I honestly, Zach, before you put this in, I had not heard of the Suits National Team of the Week. But, hey, yeah. congrats, to, congrats to you. You deserved it, 70-41. to 41. Maybe your defense could have played a little bit better. But, I mean, it's Dustin Crum at the end of the day. What are, what are you going to do other than that? You put up 70 points. You had Jarrett Patterson's uh, just monster performance. It was, it was just an overall good team performance, good team win. Yeah, it was. It was Saturday was a good day to be a Buffalo Bulls uh, football fan. Little, a little clarification on the, the Reveal Suits National Team of the Week. So this is an award. This is given out by the Football Writers Association of, Association of America. I guess Reveal Suits is just like the – I don't know what that is either. I guess that's just the sponsor of the, of the award or whatever. But So it still is. I mean, it's the, this is the first time a MAC team has won the award since 2017. Uh, whenever Northern Illinois won it after their upset at Nebraska. But yeah, you know, we, we talked a lot about bowling, uh, excuse me, I talked a lot about Buffalo leading up to the season here. And thus far, man, they, they have not disappointed at all. They're sitting at the top of the Mac East and it all indications it does look like they're, they're going to represent the Mac East in, uh, in Detroit in the Mac championship game. Although I hope I just didn't just jinx them. <laughs> um, so uh, with that, Sam, um, we got through all of our news there. Um, let's move into our, our Twitter question of the week this week. We, we wanted to get something out that was a little bit lighter. Obviously, the holidays are coming up. Um, so why, why don't you uh, run down through our Twitter question for us, Sam? Uh, yeah, so basically with Christmas songs being a hot topic around this time of year, if you had to describe your team's football season so far into a lyric, what would it be? Unfortunately, we only had one response, which I'm kind of a little disappointed in you guys. But again, 
If you want to be involved, if you want your name, shout out at Mac underscore bandwagon on Twitter. I believe we are at over 300 followers on Twitter so far. So keep joining, keep uh, posting replies every Friday. I put the Twitter question out, whatever me or Zach can think of. I put it out there for you guys to respond. And we only had a response, one response, as I said, as um, our boy Dave Drury at DDrury86. He's an NIU fan. He said, all I want for Christmas is a W. Obviously, a play on words of the Mariah yeah. Carey song. Yeah. No, I thought that was – I thought I, I laughed when I saw it. I thought it was a great response from Dave. And like you said, I could just – I could picture Mariah Carey in, like, a Santa hat with – with uh, the Northern Illinois, with Victory Husky, like right next to her, you know, just as that, like a, as a Northern Illinois, like Christmas music video or something. I thought that was a great response from Dave. I really liked that. Yeah, I'm with you, Sam. I, I thought after seeing that one, I thought was, I was hoping that we did some more creative, uh, funny responses like that, but that's okay. I understand that can take some, some creative energy there. Um, so shout out to Dave for that. That, that was a good one. And uh, it's too bad we don't have a little bit more of a budget here at Hustle Belt. We could see, we could see if we could bring Mariah in and get that music video recorded or something. But uh, but anyway, so that that was our Twitter question of the week this week, guys. We'll jump back into that a, a little bit more. This this past week obviously was a little bit crazy with uh, with Thanksgiving and all that. But we'll, but we'll jump back into that uh, a little bit more, you know, headfirst this week. Uh, before we move on to the the rest of the show, wanted to talk to you real quickly about Home Field Apparel. Homefield Apparel, the premier direct-to-customer clothier for college sports fans and Hustle Belt, have partnered for an exclusive original line of t-shirts. Pick up your Tuesday night or Jolly Blogger shirt on homefieldapparel.com right now, and you can save 20% off your entire first purchase using the promo code HUSTLE. Every shirt you buy helps us out at the blog, and you'll feel good too, thanks to Homefield's exclusive 52% cotton, 48% polyester blend. Rep the best little blog in the Midwest today by going to homefieldapparel.com and using the promo code HUSTLE. All right, Sam. So moving on, we got some uh, some football to talk about here. A couple great games on the slate from last week and, and a couple more great games coming up this weekend uh, that, that we got to get to to preview a little bit. So let's uh, let's start out here, Sam, with uh, just a, a quick recap of, of last week's results. Uh, week three kicked off. Uh, on Black Friday with one game with uh, Central Michigan traveling down to Ypsilanti to take on Chris Creighton and the Eastern Michigan Eagles. Uh, Sam, Central Michigan pulled this one out. Um, what did you think of What was your initial reaction to this game? I mean, Eastern Michigan, what are you, what are you doing? You yeah. just, every game is close, yet you just can't get it done. Like, uh, I don't know about you, Zach, but I think it was what twenty-three to six. I I turned off the game. I was just yeah. like, "This game's over with. There's no point in watching it." And then three or four turnovers later, Central Michigan's within one touch within one touchdown. I turn it back on, and then I see Central Michigan um, got got that um, last turn last turnover and won the game. And I'm just like, "What what did I just watch?" Yeah, yeah. And uh, for anyone that didn't see the game itself, it was Central Michigan pulled out a 31-23 victory. But like you said, Sam, the first three quarters of this game, uh, I mean, Eastern Michigan dominated. It seemed like Central Michigan couldn't get out of their own way. It was. It was 20-6 to Eastern Michigan going into the fourth quarter of this game. And then the turnovers uh, at that point, just they, they couldn't, you know, Eastern Michigan couldn't get out of their own way. They finished the day 
with uh, with five turnovers overall. And so when you have a game with five turnovers, the fact that you're even within a touchdown is, is pretty crazy. I, I don't know about you, Sam, but um, for Eastern Michigan, the, the issue for me is that, you know, you got a quarterback. Preston Hutchinson has looked good. He did throw three interceptions this game against Central Michigan. So obviously that's a problem. But the bigger problem for me when I look at the Eagles, man, is they just can't, they can't run the football. They can't, they have no balance on offense. 365 yards passing against Central Michigan, only 74 yards rushing and came on 31 carries. So like you're averaging 2.4 yards a carry in this game. There's a reason why, why Hutchinson's throwing three interceptions because he has to throw so much and the defense knows what's coming. I don't know about you, Sam, but offensively, you know, the run game, the Eagles, they got to figure something out. Yeah, especially when their whole offense is the RPO. In the first part of the RPO mm-hmm. is the run pass option. That's what um, that's what the R stands for. So you've got to establish the run game, and to have your leading rusher be your quarterback with 57 yards on 15 carries just isn't going to get it done. And if it wasn't for the turnovers, yeah, you could have scraped out a win, but you don't feel good about yourself. I mean, Zach, I think the story of the game is eight total turnovers from yeah. not not just the five turnovers that Eastern Michigan have, but three. And unfortunately, um, Daniel Richardson um, got hurt, or, uh, I believe, in the third quarter for Central Michigan. And I believe Ty Brock's going to be starting um, for Central Michigan against Ball State. But you, you can't have that many turnovers. You can't even have three turnovers if you hope to – beat this ball state team especially when you've got a backup quarterback i understand you had a monster run running game with uh nichols who had 196 yards two touchdowns kobe lewis 106 yards and a touchdown but three turnovers you gotta be lucky if you're central michigan that you pulled out that win yeah i I agree with you completely And, and i'm glad you brought up also the uh the injury to uh to daniel richardson because um, that that is going to be significant for uh, Central Michigan moving forward. Obviously, Ty Brock came in and got his first significant game action. It does look like he's going to be the starter this week uh, for the Chippewas uh, against Ball State. So it's going to be interesting. I don't know how the the offense might is going to react to that. Uh, Ty Brock didn't. I mean, he didn't look terrible in in his time in the game, but he also didn't. You know, he didn't do a ton. He's nine for fifteen for sixty two yards. No touchdowns, no interceptions, nothing like that. He also had five carries for 18 yards. So nothing spectacular. Obviously, he came in and they pulled out the victory. So that's a positive. But it's going to be interesting to see, um, you know, how, how their offense changes uh, now that they're going to be breaking in a new a new starting quarterback. And obviously, Ball State's a team with, uh, with some momentum now as well. So uh, that'll be an, an interesting clash there uh, this weekend. You mentioned the turnovers, though. Yeah, eight eight total turnovers. I mean, you know, 553 total yards for Central Michigan. The, the Eastern Michigan's got a lot to figure out, uh, you know, before this season before this season ends. Um, and any final thoughts here on uh, on on this game, Sam? Uh, you know, like you said, we've had, we had some good performances here. Nichols for Central Michigan had his career high 196 rushing yards and two touchdowns. Um, any any final thoughts here? Uh, yeah, I, I, I think Ty Ruck will have the advantage of at least having a week to prepare for Ball State, which certainly will help. And um, James uh, pointed out in our chat that behind Ty Brock, your your uh, backup quarterback is Khalil Pimpleton, which isn't yeah. what you want to see with uh, Moore going down. But yeah, I want to shout out uh, 
uh, Diallo from Central Michigan, three and a half tackles for loss. I thought he played phenomenal for them. I thought the Central Michigan defense, that this team in the fourth quarter just clicked, had their way with them. There was a couple like lucky bounces with the pick and whatnot off the helmet of the dude and whatnot. But yeah, I think Central Michigan, the way they bounced back was just phenomenal in the fourth quarter. I mean, Miami, Ohio got it done against Ball State in the first game with a uh, backup quarterback. So who knows? Central Michigan could as well. Yeah, it's a very good point. Very good point, Sam. So yeah, certainly a, a nice victory for uh, for the Chippewas as uh, they look to continue another successful season uh, under Greg McElwain. Uh, moving on to our next game here, Sam, uh, probably the, the, the surprise of the weekend. Um, we had a really tight game in, uh, in Kalamazoo between Western Michigan and Northern Illinois. Yeah, I don't know what, what it was. I wasn't expecting it to be this close. Northern Illinois only lost by three. Uh, Western Michigan managed to pull out a late victory. I think it was a um, game-winning field goal. You could correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, yeah, you're right. You got it. Yeah, so not not necessarily uh, game winning, but yeah, it was it wasn't at like the last second, but they did kick a field goal to to give them the, the yeah yeah so so yeah anyway, but uh, yeah, I think Northern Illinois had one heck of a performance. They held strong. I wasn't uh, expecting. I'm sure you weren't, Zach, either. I'm sure Northern Illinois fans weren't. But these last two games where you have basically been within one score has to be promising for Husky fans. You had that Ball State game that was determined by the pick six, and then. I believe Western Michigan also had a kick return return for a touchdown by Dwayne Eskridge. So yep. who knows these, these, these costly touchdowns, you could be sitting here at a two and two record and feeling good about yourself. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right, Sam. And, and this is, a, if I'm a Northern Illinois fan, this is the most encouraged I have been all season. Their, their, their last, uh, their last two performances have, I, in my opinion, probably, you know, they've been the best two performances they've put on tape this year. You know, I think this game specifically, the Huskies defense really impressed me. This Western Michigan team, you know, they came into this game averaging close to 500 yards a game. Well, Northern Illinois held them to 325 and actually outgained them in this game, 350 to 325. Um, you mentioned Eskridge. Eskridge did have himself a heck of a game, seven catches, 134 yards, 27 rushing yards, and also had that 100-yard kick return touchdown. Um, but again, the, 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 the defense for, for Northern Illinois really impressed me. We've talked a lot about Caleb Ellaby, the quarterback for Western Michigan, and how much um, he surprised us this year. He still had a good game, but he didn't put up the same eye-popping numbers that he had the first couple weeks. He was 12 for 24 uh, 210 yards and one touchdown. So not nearly uh, the production that we saw him uh, put up through three weeks. And then also, you know, uh, Ross Bowers had himself a nice day for Northern Illinois as well. 22 for 36, 230 yards and three touchdowns. And the thing about this game, again, Northern Illinois, this is a young team and they really showed some fight in this game. This is a game that had eight lead changes. And you see sometimes, you know, a a young team, they get a league and, and the other team comes back and, and, and takes the lead back. Sometimes that can kind of break their spirit, but that did not happen here. Northern Illinois kept fighting in this game. And I tell you what, after the first couple of weeks, um, I, I thought it was a shoe in that Northern Illinois was going to finish this season 0-6, but I, I'm not sure I feel that way anymore after these last two weeks against Ball State and Western Michigan. 
you know, they've, they've impressed me these last two games. I think going to Toledo and getting a win this week might be a tall task, but I could, I could easily see the Huskies pulling off an upset and beating Eastern Michigan in the last game of the season at home. No doubt. I'm with you. And Zach, something else I wanted that just pops out to me is Western Michigan's receiving. I don't know if you have it in front of you. Scott, mm-hmm. uh, as we mentioned, Caleb LB, 12 of 24, 210 yards and a touchdown. He only threw to two receivers. Dwayne Eskridge, seven catches, 134 yards. And Sky Moore, five catches, 76 yards and a touchdown, which I don't know whether to be more impressed by or whether to be more just like worried that Western Michigan moving forward is basically dependent on two guys moving forward in your receiving core. Yeah, Sam, I I completely agree with you about that. It doesn't seem like there was as much balance in this game. No receptions from from Jalen Hall, Corey Crooms, Sean Tyler, the running back. Um, They didn't seem it didn't seem like they mixed it up quite as much in this game. And I think also, honestly, that has a lot to do with the game plan that the Huskies had on defense. I was really impressed with uh, with what they were able to do. It's there's definitely been some things to to build on moving forward for the Northern Illinois. And I think moving into these last couple games of the season, they certainly have some some momentum. Yeah, no doubt. I think Northern Illinois has a lot to just be proud of. I think. I think honestly, but outside of Bowling Green, these 0 and 4 teams, oh yeah, 0 and 4 teams. You got Eastern, Northern Illinois, and Akron have to be, even though the records say they're 0 and 4. I think they have a lot of promise moving forward, and I think they've got some some things that they can be proud of moving into a full actual season. I, I agree with you completely. I think all three of those teams are seeing some positive signs right now. As far as the fourth. Uh, winless team in the Mac right now. I, I unfortunately don't think we can say the same thing. And that, that's our next game here, Sam. Another rough day in the office for Scott Leffler and the Bowling Green Falcons. They went down to Athens and just got smoked by the Bobcats. I mean, yeah, like the box score says it, 52 to 10. There's not much bright side you want to take away. Like I, I asked you um, previously what like Bowling Green would have to do to at least um, – uh, like be considered a win, even if they didn't get a win. And I don't think you can do that looking at this box score. Yeah, I, I agree with you, man. I, there's just, uh, there's, there's not a lot here to, to be positive about if you're a Bowling Green fan. I mean, we know their defense struggles. We know they struggle to run the ball and we know that Ohio likes to run the ball. Well, predictably Ohio had 48 carries for 355 rushing yards and four touchdowns. I mean, that's 7.4 yards per carry. You're not going to win many games given that up. Uh, doesn't matter who you're playing. I, I mean, Matt McDonald continues to struggle. He did throw a touchdown to a receiver in this game, which that's the first time that's happened for Bowling Green in, uh, in almost two years. But I mean, this is a guy through four games and he's completing 41% of his passes, one touchdown, six interceptions. There's just not a lot good happening for Bowling Green right now, Sam. I, I don't know. I wish I could like sugarcoat it. I wish there was something more positive that we could say, but you just don't see a lot of good things coming out of uh, Bowling Green right now. Obviously, Andrew Clare was a bright spot. He got to play the full game. He's, he's been dealing with some injuries. He had 15 carries for 118 yards for the Falcons. On the other side, uh, you know, Ohio, uh, DeMontre Tuggle had himself a heck of a game, 15 carries, 185 yards and three touchdowns. Here's another quarterback situation that's going to be interesting to monitor moving forward, Sam, as Curtis Rourke got hurt uh, in the second quarter of this game and Armani Rogers came in to finish the day at quarterback. 
Rourke was 10 for 11 passing for 63 yards. Armani Rogers was two for three. They both threw a touchdown. So Sam, I'm curious to get your thoughts on that quarterback situation moving forward in Athens. It does look like um, Armani Rogers is going to be get, going to get to start this weekend. Yeah, we've only unfortunately got to got to see him a full game out of him. So it'll be interesting to see. As I I believe that Ohio, who does Ohio play next? Ohio plays Buffalo. So that's going to be even harder when you're thrown in a situation where you've only played limited snaps. You're thrown in a game which the Buffalo team just scored seventy. Do you have confidence that I um, that Armani Rogers can put up 40, 50 points? I don't know if you really do at this point. Curtis Ford clearly looked like the better quarterback uh, yeah. coming out of Athens, but hopefully he could get it done. Buffalo's defense has looked has looked strong at time outside of the forty points allowed to Dustin Crump, but Buffalo's defense is definitely not one to mess with. Yeah, I I agree with you there, and. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a, a tough week of preparation for the Bobcats. Uh, Coach Solich and, and the staff, they're going to have to put together a game plan with a new quarterback and get him ready. I'd imagine we'd see them lean even more heavily on the rush this weekend against Buffalo, if uh, if I had to guess. Um, any, any other takeaways from this game, Sam? I, to be honest with you, this one got out of hand pretty early, and, and I didn't see a ton of the second half. But did you have any other kind of observations or takeaways from this one? Uh, I, I just want to shout out going back to the running game real fast. I mean, Andrew Clare, he basically, he has 240 yards on the season. All last season, he had 244 yards. So he's he's doing above his average, averaging five yards per carry. I think he's yeah. missed one or two games so far this season. So he could even have more than that so far in the season. He's having himself a day. And I know we talk a lot about Caleb Huntley and Jarrett Patterson, but Demontre Tuggles having himself a year, 53 carries, 403 yards and six touchdowns. I don't think he gets the recognition he deserves as well. We we like to talk about the RPO and and Ohio basically is the RPO team at this point. Uh, Eastern Michigan hasn't been able to develop the run, but uh, Frank Solich has been able to do that. Demontre Tuggles definitely making his name known in the MAC. Yeah, you're exactly right, Sam, and that's a, that's a great point to to point out. Both of them feel bad for Andrew Clare. He can never seem to stay healthy. He always has injury issues, but when he's on the field, he's a heck of a player. Uh, he's you know he's been uh, named all, to the All MAC team previously, and you mentioned Tuggle as well. He's second in the conference in rushing yards, behind one uh, or I'm sorry, in, in yards per game, uh, behind only uh, Jarrett Patterson, who. There's not many people that are going to catch him. So I don't think, uh, I don't think uh, Tuggle has to be, you know, be down on himself about that. Speaking of Jared Patterson, his squad, the Buffalo Bulls, in what was the marquee matchup of last weekend, took on Kent State at home. Essentially, was, uh, it seemed like it was setting up as a showdown between uh, the two top teams in the MAC East. Uh, there were some questions about the Kent State defense coming into this one. And uh, Sam, they did not have a good day. Yeah, for 70 points. What can you say? And I think we I think we touched on Jared Patterson enough to where like I yeah. I don't feel like there's much more need to hit on what he did 400 yards, eight touchdowns again. But I don't think if you're you're at Dustin Crumb, you're disappointed with his performance. He did what he could do. 40 points. He had over 400 yards combined, three touchdowns, one or four total touchdowns, one pick like there's not a lot more you could do. It's just your rush defense. We've talked about Kent State's rush defense was just not good at all. And they let 500 yards on the ground total. Uh, Calvin Trees had 11 and 21, 148. But when you're rushing attacks doing what you do, you don't really need to do a whole lot. I thought, I thought 
Outside of the rush defense aspect, I thought Kent State's offense came to the table, came to the uh, ready. You just can't do a whole lot when your defense gives up 70 points. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right about that. I, I agree completely, Sam. I thought the Kent State offense played very well, in fact, in this game. I mean, they, they were efficient. They were balanced. I mean, they threw for 343 yards. They ran for 235. They just couldn't keep Buffalo out of the end zone. I mean, you know, it was one of those things where in the second half, I'm watching that game, and there were multiple times where Buffalo would be in third and long situations, right? Third and seven, third and nine, third and 10, whatever the case may be. And every single time you just knew they were going to pick up the first down because they could hand the ball off to Jarrett Patterson or Kevin Marks, and they were going to get 12 yards because they were going to either break a tackle or they weren't going to get touched. So, you know, this Kent State defense, you know, we, we talked a little bit about how they have improved a little bit, but now after watching that, I don't, I don't know that they have. I mean, they're still, they're first in the conference in passing defense, which sounds good, but the only reason they're first in the, pa- in the conference in passing defense is because now teams know that they don't have to pass the ball against them. You know, Kyle Van Treese was 11 for 21 in this game. He only threw for 148, uh, 148 yards, which you'd think, okay, that, that sets up for a nice day for the defense, but then you look at the rushing stats, 54 carries, 515 yards, nine and a half yards of carry and 10 touchdowns. When you're getting nine and a half carries or excuse me, nine and a half yards per carry, there's no reason to throw the ball. There's not. So I, you know, Kent state, they have to figure something out on defense because this offense is so good. And it seems like, you know, when they go up against these other premier teams in the conference, the defense is what's going to hold them back. Yeah, and when you look at uh, the the since they can't play the Miami Ohio game because as we mentioned that's canceled. Your next game is against Ohio, who, as we mentioned, Demontre Tuggle, their style of offense is just heavily on the rushing attack. So yeah. if you're if you're heading into Ohio and you don't really change much, I wouldn't be surprised if Tuggle can go for a solid 100, 200 yard game easily. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree completely on, on that. I think uh, that defensive coaching staff for Kent State, they, they got to figure some things out here before December 12th if, if, if they want to win that game. Because Ohio could pull one out there um, if, if Kent State rushed defense doesn't improve. Um, do want to give a shout out to uh, the receiving core at Kent State. Because like you said, Sam, the offense did have a good game. Isaiah McCoy, five receptions, 137 yards and a touchdown. Deshaun Pope had seven for 124 as well. So again, Kent State... You know, when you look at when you look at the box score of this game, it doesn't look like it was that imbalanced. Like Buffalo had 663 total yards, yes, but Kent State had 578. So it's just a matter of if Kent State's going to have to to string together some uh, string together some some stops on defense or figure out a way to do it because their offense is incredible and they just they you know you can't rely on outscoring people every week you know to win games. Yeah, no doubt. And moving on, uh, a couple games left to cover from last week. First up, a uh, heck of a victory for your Cardinals, Sam. Ball State um, goes to Toledo and takes on the Rockets, comes out with a 27-24 victory. Sam, as a Cardinals fan, i got to ask you, man, this, I mean, this has got to be pretty encouraging for you to, to win a game like this on the road without Caleb Huntley. I mean, it does. We are also without our second leading rusher. I'm, I'm, I just lost the name off my head. But Ty Evans stepped in our third string, had him heck of a day. Twenty five carries, one hundred one yards. He did what he needed to do. Uh, yeah, early on it was looking really solid. Went up twenty seven to uh, twenty four to nine. Kicked a field goal twenty seven to nine. Had that stop early. But then Toledo rattled off two straight touchdowns, and they were back in it. It was 27-24. 
they force a big third down. We try a jet sweep. We had to, um, we were then forced a punt. Luckily, Anthony Ekpe, after the punt, came off the edge, hit the ball out of, it wasn't Eli Peters, it was uh, Carter Bradley's hand, yeah. and we luckily pulled out the victory, which uh, probably is the third heart attack I've had watching this Ball State Cardinals yeah. team all year. Yeah, I, I can imagine, Sam. Watching that fourth quarter, it was one of those things. It was almost like watching it. I felt like I was watching it in slow motion, like the game was slipping through Ball State's fingers. You know what I mean? And, and you know, as, as you've been, uh, as you've mentioned, uh, you know, the this is something that's happened under this coaching staff previously, where it's hard for them to sometimes hold on to leads. And it almost looked like this was going to be another, uh, you know, kind of just another chapter in that story. Um, but the, the big play from Ekpe at the end there uh, kind of, kind of sealed the deal. Um, I, w- I was curious to, to get your thoughts on, on I guess, generally speaking, how, how you thought the defense played in this game. Because obviously, only giving up nine points through three quarters to a high-powered offense like Toledo, that's a pretty good performance. And obviously, it tapered off a little bit in the fourth quarter. Overall, though, were you encouraged by the defensive performance? I was. I mean, when you look at the uh, rushing stats, 28 carries, 42 yards. Brian Kovac had 13 carries for 33 yards. I think that's a big positive. And through three quarters, they probably had maybe 200 yards passing. So you've definitely got to be encouraged from when they were just getting kind of just kind of run over at times versus the Eastern Michigans, the um, the uh, Miami, Ohio, the um, uh, who, who else do they play on this season? Um, NIU yeah yeah so yeah you've got to be encouraged but that fourth quarter we've just got to clean up but you got to do a lot better in game managing because like we saw with Central Michigan this past game in last year when they came back against Ball State they they can come back in in a hurry so we need if we have uh, leads we basically just have to hold them at the end of the day I agree with you Sam and uh, I wanted to give a quick shout out here to uh, Johannes Tyler um, you know, when you look at this team, everyone talks about Caleb Huntley and Drew Plitt and Justin Hall, and sometimes Tyler gets overlooked a little bit, but he had himself another nice game here, six receptions, 79 yards, and two touchdowns. He's got four TDs over the past three games, Sam. He's, he's playing really well, uh, really well for this offense. Yeah, no doubt, and I think moving forward, since I believe Justin Hall is a senior, he's going to have to step up moving forward. I think he's doing an excellent job. We've seen him be heavily targeted on third down along with Justin Hall, which is an encouraging side. Uh, Drew Plitt, trust him. He's a beast. And then, yeah, hopefully he can keep uh, producing for us moving forward. Yeah, certainly. So uh, another frustrating loss for the the Rockets. And, um, you know, they, they seem to lose these games in, in excruciating fashions under Jason Candle, unfortunately. It's going to be interesting to see how, how they write the ship this week. They did have a nice game uh, through the air. Eli Peters was 27 for 36 for two touchdowns and an interception. Uh, Carter Bradley did come in at the end. He was three for four for 44. Sam, I should know this, and, and I must have missed this part of the game, but did, did Peters get hurt again, or, or, or what happened there? I'm going to be honest. I So after it went 27 to nine, I went to play football with my brother outside because oh, they I forced that fourth down. And then I came back in, it was 27-24, and I watched that uh, punch and then the strip sack. So I'm not too entirely sure what happened. Maybe Toledo fans can let us know what happened. Maybe he got hurt. Maybe he got benched because they weren't having the best of days. But yeah, yeah that, that's that's what that's what happened. Well, not, nonetheless, a uh, big win for the Cardinals there. They moved to three and one on the year, tied for second place in the West 
uh, with the Central Michigan Chippewa. So for uh, for Central Michigan, Sam, I mean, or I'm sorry, for Ball State, all their goals are still in front of them, three and one in the division with uh, a games games coming up against Central and Western Michigan. So you figure you, you if you're able to pull off those two, you, you're you're going to Detroit. So um, we'll see how this uh, this season finishes up for the Cardinals. Any final thoughts on this one, Sam? Uh, no, I, I think for Toledo fans, you have to be disappointed this season. Everybody picks you to go high, and you're sitting here at two and two. I think at this point, even if you manage to rattle off these last two wins, you have to be disappointed with your season in general. But hey, that's what Toledo's known for, just uh, not delivering on expectations. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right about that. Moving on to our last game of the weekend, uh, Miami gets back in action after having their uh, previous game canceled. Uh, Akron had had a couple encouraging performances coming into this one, but uh, Miami kind of laid the smack down to him in this one. Red Hawks pulled away in this one. It was never really close, I should say, 38-7. to seven. Uh, Sam, what do you think about this one? It seemed like a, a nice return to action for, uh, for Brett Gabbard. Yeah, week one against Ball State in his action, he didn't look the best, but I'm glad after that concussion, he kind of regrouped himself, kind of recovered himself, and he looked like himself because we all know how good he was. He was named uh, Mac Freshman, Offensive Freshman of the Year last year, 18 of 27, 308 yards, four touchdowns, looked like himself. I think that's encouraging side for Miami, Ohio fans. I know you're disappointed you won't be returning to Detroit this year, but, hey, you could take Solison knowing the fact that, hey, you had a solid season. It didn't exactly turn out the way you want, but this program is still really good. Yeah, it is. They're in a good spot. And a good day for Brett Gabbard, 18 for 27, 308 yards and four touchdowns. Also, shout out to Jack Sorensen, eight receptions, uh, 177 yards for him, and all four of those touchdowns from Brett Gabbard. So a, a nice uh, a nice day for, uh, for those two, for the Redhawks. On the other side of the ball, Sam, uh, just when we were thinking that Akron might have found their identity of, you know, being a running team and, you know, kind of pounding the ball with Teon Dollard. Well, Teon Dollard had 13 carries for 22 yards, and this team uh, overall uh, had 28 carries for four yards. Now, that obviously is factors in, you know, some sacks and stuff like that, but still not a good game for the, the, the Zips offense. Zach Gibson only threw for 141 yards, and like I said, only four yards on the ground. Man, 145 total yards in a game, Sam. Not very good. I mean, I'm I, I was honestly expecting better. I don't know about you, Zach. They they were coming off they were coming off losses in which they had some things to build off of. They had that 14 point loss against Ohio. They had that first half that looked really encouraging against Kent State, and then they just go in uh, in your home stadium and just just kind of lay just kind of uh, poop the bed if you want to phrase it like that. 38 to seven. Wasn't wasn't a great game from Akron. You mentioned the yardage. Uh, yeah, just wasn't a great game at all. Yeah, it was not a great game overall for uh, for the Zips. You know, we've, we've talked about how we've seen improvements from them across the board, and we thought maybe this was a chance for them to kind of take a step forward and put another encouraging performance on tape, and they weren't able to do that. Um, shout out again, though, to um, to uh, Jack Sorensen and Brett Gabbert from this game for, for the Red Hawks. They, they had uh, some nice days. Akron going to finish up. Uh, they're going to head to, uh, excuse me, they're going to take on Bowling Green this week. And we'll talk about that in a couple minutes because it seems like maybe this is the week where the Zips might be able to earn a win. We'll see. Um, nothing. I don't want to obviously jinx them or anything like that, but uh, that's a, that's a big matchup for both teams coming up this weekend. Um, Sam, any, any final thoughts on this game? 
Uh, no, not really. I think Miami looked really impressive. Like they, they, I thought coming into the season, they had in their ability. Obviously their quarterback and Blaine Gabbert went down, but I think Miami Ohio fans can just move on from this season, feeling good about themselves. Obviously they'll be losing. I'm pretty sure a decent chunk of starters, depending on due to the, the draft and whatnot. But yeah. I think Miami Ohio is sitting in a good spot moving forward. Yeah, I agree. And uh, yeah, their defense, especially, I mean, seven sacks on Zach Gibson on Saturday. Shout out to Cameron Butler, uh, defensive uh, defensive end for the, the Red Hawks. He had two and a half sacks himself. Um, so let's let's take a look real quickly at these uh, these games coming up this weekend, Sam. Now, we mentioned earlier that unfortunately, Kent State at Miami has been canceled um, for uh, due to COVID issues and roster issues at Kent State. So unfortunately, we're only going to have five games on the slate this weekend. Um, so let's run down through these, Sam, and uh, let's we'll make our picks, and uh, we'll, I'll post these on, on Twitter afterwards. But um, so we got Toledo traveling to DeKalb to take on Northern Illinois this weekend. Uh, Northern Illinois, a 10.5-point underdog there, the total 56.5. Sam, what do you think about this game, and and what's your pick on this one? Okay, my pick, Toledo at Northern Illinois, plus 10.5. This Northern Illinois team has shown the ability to keep up with teams. Toledo's been disappointing so far. I'm going to rock Northern Illinois plus 10.5, and and I'm going to say the over 56.5. I also like Northern Illinois plus 10.5. I'm going to go with the under, though. I just – I don't – not a lot I see that I love from the the Toledo offense or Toledo in general right now. I think also with the way Northern Illinois defense played the last couple of weeks, I could see them keeping this one um, under the total. I'm going to say Toledo by a touchdown. I could see this one being like, you know, 20, 28, 21, some, something like that. I, I, I'm in agreement with you there, Sam. Um, next game at uh, two o'clock on Saturday on ESPN three. Uh, Bowling Green traveling across the state to Akron to take on the Zips. The Zips for the first time in over two years, are favored in a game. Uh, they're laying two and a half against the Falcons. The total there is 57.5. Sam, what do you think about this one? This is – I, I think uh, even though I don't really want to pick this one as it's going to be really tough, I think Akron has just shown more promise than Bowling Green has. I think Akron's going to be able to at least get three points. I'm going to take Akron minus three or minus two and a half in, I'm going to take the under of 57 and a half. Yeah. You know what? I, I can't believe I'm, I'm going to take Akron myself, but I did you see, you couldn't get me to pick Bowling Green right now. There's no way you could get me to pick Bowling Green right now. I'm going to go the opposite on the total of this one as well, though. I think this is the, the way that both of these defenses are playing right now. Um, I, I don't see many stops in this game. I agree with you. Akron minus two and a half. I'm going to take the zips there. I, I think this, I could honestly see this game being like, 43 to 40 or something like that. I, you know, I don't know. I think this is going to be a high scoring game. Obviously Matt McDonald and the passing game for the Falcons, they still have a lot to figure out, but the running game, you know, Andrew Claire and and some of the other guys they have in the backfield there, I do think they'll be able to move the ball through the ground uh, against the zip. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, Another intriguing matchup this weekend, Eastern Michigan still looking for their first uh, first win of the year. They travel to Kalamazoo to take on the the Western Michigan Broncos. Western Michigan currently laying 13 and a half. Uh, The total there much higher at 64.5. This game kicks at two o'clock on ESPN plus. Sam, what do you think about uh, between the Eagles and the Broncos here? I think I think the the. Books are sleeping on Eastern Michigan. I think they've proven to be better than the record last week. They should have gotten that win against uh, Central Michigan. They didn't get it done. They potentially should have gotten another one against 
uh, Ball State. They're better than the record shows. I think I like Eastern Michigan plus 13 and a half, plus what we saw with Western Michigan kind of struggling against Northern Illinois, and I'm going to take the under of 64 and a half. Under of 64 and a half. I'm going to agree with you um, on the under there. However, I think I like Western Michigan in this game. I think that game last week for Eastern Michigan when you give up a big lead in the fourth quarter at home to your bigot to to one of your rivals, I think that was almost kind of like a spirit breaker for the Eagles. And I'm not sure that we're going to see the same intensity from them intensity from them this week. I also think Western Michigan uh, will pick it back up after a, a kind of a a um, you know a letdown performance last week. So we're going to be on opposite sides of that one, Sam. But hey, we'll see how it goes. I could easily see you know Western Michigan or I'm sorry, Eastern Michigan has that propensity for for close games. So I could easily see them. Um, you know, I could easily see them uh, keeping this one within a touchdown. Uh, we got a game we mentioned briefly earlier. Uh, the Buffalo Bulls traveled down to Athens to take on Ohio. Uh, the Bobcats are 11 and a half point underdogs at home uh, with the total there at 58.5. 3.30 on CBS Sports Network. Sam, uh, what are you thinking here? I'm going Buffalo minus 11 and a half, and I'm going to go the over 58 and a half. I think uh, what we've seen from Buffalo is that no one's really going to be stopping them on the defensive side of the ball. So I think, I think Jared Patterson, as well as um, Ohio's running game can just, uh, just, they'll just be head, uh, sh- uh, in kind of a shootout rushing attack. If that makes sense, I think there'll be a lot of scoring, but I think Buffalo, like we've seen last week, they're just going to be, uh, they're just going to be uh, scoring a lot more points in Ohio. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm, I'm big on Buffalo this week. I, I don't see how, how Ohio scores in this game, especially if Curtis Rourke doesn't have a chance to play. The only, I think I'm going to go with the under in this one though, only because these are two teams that, that run the ball so much. And, you know, I think that sets up for some long drives. And um, again, I just don't see Ohio scoring that many points. And when you have a total of 58.5, you know, you'd like at both teams at least to get to 20 or somewhere in that ballpark. And I just, I don't see how Ohio's going to score in this game. I think this one's going to be a blowout. I'm going to take the Bulls, like I, I'd say, I don't know, 41 to 10, some, something in that something in that range. And then our last game of the weekend, Sam, uh, not that you have an opinion on this one, but Ball State <laughs> traveling to uh, Mount Pleasant to take on Central Michigan. Uh, this, this line has moved a little bit. I know Central Michigan uh, was, was favored. Ball State, you know, Ball State took some money. And they were favored for a little bit. So this one keeps kind of going back and forth. Um, at time of taping, though, Central Michigan minus one here, uh, the total being 61.5. This game's at 2 o'clock on ESPNU, so this will get a national audience. Sam, what do you think about the Cardinals' chances going up to Mount Pleasant? If we want to get to uh, the Detroit, we've got to win at least the, the, we've got to win this game before we can either worry about Western Michigan. So Ball State has to win this game. I'm going to roll with Ball State minus one and a half. I think it's going to be under 61 and a half. Central Michigan's rocking with the backup quarterback. I think Ball State's defense has shown the ability that they they have been improved. So I like Ball State's chances of plus one and a half, and then I'll take the under of 61 and a half. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you on both there, Sam. Um, I just, I, you know, with with without their starting quarterback at Central Michigan and have to bring in Ty Brock and get him ready, I just don't know how their offense is going to function. Um, there's just too many unknowns there. I think with Ball State, I you know, I'd feel a lot better if I knew for sure that Caleb Huntley was playing this week. I haven't seen anything one way or the other there, but I think getting him back uh, would, would help a lot as well. I do like the under here too, though. I think Ball State's defense kind of seemed to figure something out last week. Uh, fourth quarter, not with uh, 
you know, notwithstanding. But I think Ball State wins this one. I think this is a big game for the Cardinals, and they know it. And I think um, they come out ready to go and and, and prepared. Uh, I'll I'll take the Cardinals in this one as well, and I'm also going to take the under. Uh, putting a lot of faith in Ball State's defense there, but hey, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Um, before we move on to uh, basketball, guys, I uh, wanted to talk to you. You know, if you're looking for some suggestions for what to drink this weekend while you're watching basketball or football or whatever else you may be watching, we're here to help with Belts Beer Garden. Every week, our very own Dave Drury tastes craft beer from around the country and breaks down the profiles like a true expert sommelier. Check out hustlebelt.com every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern for his latest recommendation or follow on Instagram at Belts Beer Garden for 24 7 updates. All right, everybody. And to close out the show here, wanted to do a quick recap. Uh, we got week one of Mac basket, the Mac basketball season uh, this past week with the first games being uh, last Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving. So, so Sam, let's, let's take a look at the, the standings right now. We'll take a look at the, the men's and the women's. Um, we'll start off on the, uh, the men's side here. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because you look at it and, we talked about this earlier, how the irregularity of the scheduling, right? Well, on the men's side, Akron has not played a game yet. They, they shut down their program for two weeks because of COVID concerns on their roster. Um, but elsewhere in the East, you got Kent State, Miami at 1-0, Bowling Green in Ohio at 2-1, Buffalo at 1-1. Uh, in the West, Toledo's at the top of that division with two, at 2-2. Two two. Um, the only other team in that division that has a win, I, I, excuse me, I apologize. They're the only team in that division that has a win. Eastern Michigan's 0-1, Western Michigan's 0-1, Ball State, Northern Illinois 0-2, Central Michigan 0-3. What do you think about this to the start of the year, Sam? I mean, we, we know it's been a crazy start to the year. Non-conference schedules are completely different. Anything that surprises you thus far on the men's side? Uh, I'm, I've got to, I think we talked about earlier, but Ohio, honestly, like I didn't expect them to have the start they did. I, I didn't think that unless I'm wrong, that they were even picked that highly in the Mac preseason polls or by anybody, but they've just come out uh, just looking amazing. They got that one against Chicago state, I believe NCAT. And then they had that close loss against Illinois. They played Cleveland and Marshall next, um, so we'll see more on this team, but I think Ohio's the team that just like stands out to me as the most shocking. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there, man. I think, uh, I don't think anybody expected them to, to give Illinois the fight that they did. Obviously, you know, a temp, top 10 team on, on the road. Their other two games you mentioned, Chicago State, North Carolina A&T, weren't very close either. They won both those games by, you know, double digits, comfortable margins. We talked about, uh, you know, we talked about uh, Jason Preston earlier in this, uh, in this show. And man, I tell you what, I, I, there's been some, some, uh, some nice individual performances uh, thus far here in the MAC. Uh, Day Day Grant against my, uh, Day Day Grant from Miami, I should say, excuse me, uh, had 21 points in their season opening win against um, against North Dakota. You got KJ Walton from Ball State, Sam. He's he's leading the conference right now in in points per game at 24. I know you'd like to see the, the the Cardinals pick up a win more than anything, but it looks like they at least individually they got they got some some pieces there. I'm curious to see, you know, there, there there's going to be uh, some some uh, interesting parity, some interesting separation here over the next couple of weeks. As you know, a lot of MAC teams here over the next week or so, we're we're already getting into conference play, which is crazy that it's happening this early in the season. Yeah, no doubt. And I think on the other side, you have to look at the amount of just like I don't want to say like t terribleness but like let's be frank it has been like you go from we'll talk about it in a minute the central michigan losing to a d2 squad 
they don't have a one on the season 0 and 3. We talked about earlier Northern Illinois losing to SIUE. You have Ball State losing uh, to Michigan and Northern Kentucky. Eastern uh, Toledo 2 and 2. Like, there's just not a lot of bright spots in the non conference play from the MAC so far. Yeah, you're right. And, and you even, if you think about, you know, the teams that were picked at the top of the conference, obviously Akron was one of them. They haven't had a chance to play yet. Bowling Green was the other one. And, you know, they had a chance to really kind of make a statement last week in their season opening game against Michigan. I know, obviously, that's a road game against a Big Ten team who's ranked in the top 25. But even still, uh, you know, Bowling Green did not put their best foot forward that day. That game was never really all that close. Uh, they ended up losing that one by 14. So I think, you know, this is unfortunately, you know, with the absence of, you know, larger non-conference schedules here, Sam, it looks like, you know, mo most of our chances for, for a max squad to grab a power five upset have already kind of passed us by here. It's going to be really coming down to how these teams are going to separate once conference play starts. Yeah. And I think, I think that's the benefit of uh, having this shortened season is the fact that we're not going to have as many games. So teams aren't going to have as much to uh, film to prepare on. It's just going to be us going into conference season. Like, Hey, you saw maybe three games, but is that the the team you're going to face on Saturday? We don't know. So at the end of the day, I think conference play is going to be super fun to watch. I think there's going to be a lot of uh, evenly balanced team, whether that means uh, good, good play or whether that just means all bad teams just kind of bunched up together. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, uh, you know, how, how all of that plays out. Um, and, and like, as we mentioned, guys, you know, the scheduling this year is completely different. A lot of these teams that have only played, you know, three or four non-conference games, well, they're already, uh, you know, that's, that's the conclusion of their, their non-conference season. I mean, yeah, tomorrow, Friday, December 4th, uh, first conference game of the season, Toledo travels to Ypsilanti to take on Eastern Michigan. Uh, so it is, like you said, Sam, uh, conference play is right around the corner. It's going to be interesting to see how these teams separate themselves. Uh, moving over on to the, the women's side of things, um, there's been some, some interesting results there as well, Sam. You know, we talked earlier in the show about, um, about uh, the Ohio's uh, big victory going down to, to South Bend and, and, and knocking off Notre Dame. They are at 2-0. They sit atop the East along with Akron and Bowling Green, both at 2-0. The, uh, the preseason um, selected champions by, by the coaches in the media, Central Michigan, they've only played one game thus far and lost uh, by 18 at Michigan in Ann Arbor, 93-75. Uh, Sam, any, anything that's, uh, that's caught your eye so far on the women's side? I mean, just the, the relative success uh, compared to the men that the, the MAC has had. You have, as, we, as you mentioned, Akron 2-0. We talked about Ohio getting that upset against um, – uh, Notre Dame, you have Bowling Green at 2-0, you have uh, Buffalo 1-0, you have Eastern Michigan 2-1, and, and you have Toledo 1-0. So relatively comparative to the men, and you also have Buffalo at 1-0, like the, the women's have just been by far the better uh, non-conference uh, team so far. Yeah, I, I certainly uh, agree with you on that one, Sam. And um, I got to tell you, um, I got to give a shout out to uh, Michaela Kelly uh, from Central Michigan, the, the, the senior guard there. She was preseason All-Mac first team, and, and she showed why in their first game of the season against uh, against Michigan. She put up 30 points in that game to, to lead all scorers. Unfortunately, it wasn't enough 
for, uh, for, for them to get the victory. But a, a really nice performance from Michaela uh, in her first game of the season. It looks like we have our first non-conference or our first conference game, I should say, of the season on Saturday. Ohio traveling to Kent State to take on the Golden Flashes. We'll see if uh, the Bobcats can keep up the momentum that they have established thus far. Uh, like we mentioned, you know, with, with the upset of, uh, of note from Notre Dame. So, um, so let's take a look, Sam, you know, we, we've talked on a, 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 about a couple of these games, but there's some, some notable games from, uh, from, from week one uh, in, in men's and women's basketball. You touched on it briefly. Let's start on the men's side, Sam, um, a really interesting and disappointing result from, uh, from Mount Pleasant uh, yesterday as central Michigan took on division two flagler and uh I, you know, I don't, I can't sugarcoat it, Sam. They got run out of the gym. They were down 43, 30 at halftime, ended up losing this game 92 to 73. Not an encouraging start to the season for the Chippewas, man. I mean, when you shoot 40% from the field, 24 of 60, you're really, your chances of winning the game, unless your opponent really does poorly is slim to none. When you let your opponent shoot over 50% of the field, that just tells you the story right there. Like, it's, there's nothing to sugarcoat it. You lost to a D2 team. Like, I think we can both agree that we didn't have high hopes for the Central Michigan basketball team. I don't think a lot of people did. But le- losing to a D2 squad, come on. Even even when Ball State lost by 20 to Michigan, I can be at least, hey, it was Michigan. With yeah. Central Michigan, I don't think there's any good you can take out of, of this game, really. Yeah. I, I agree with you, Sam. I mean, the, the, like you said, the shooting percentage, I mean, you know, 40% from the field, 34% from three, 67% from the line. None of those stats are going to win you games. And then you also think when it comes to efficiency in basketball, the one thing I always like to look at is, you know, assist to turnover ratio. And they're, they're, your assist to turnover ratio here is in, in the negative. You got nine assists and 18 turnovers in this game against the Division Two squad. I don't know about you, Sam, but um, – I, I, you know, I know this is just one game, but man, after this, it, it looks like it might be a long season in Mount Pleasant. I mean, it probably is. Not a lot of people had high hopes. I didn't even know Flagler, Flagler College existed before this game, but hey, <laughs> they they showed out. Um, uh, they let Met, Metzger shoot tw- uh, shoot for twenty six points. Like, I mean, there there's I don't I don't think we need to spend a whole lot of time on this game. Like, I didn't watch it because I thought this was gonna be an easy win for Central Michigan. But yeah, hey, apparently I need to be watching these D two games because I guess you just <laughs> never know. Yeah, you know, I, I the only the, I first became aware of it. I you know I saw James's reaction on Twitter and he he was not too happy. And boy, I tell you what, it's been a tough start for the season thus far for the Chippewas. A twenty point loss to Florida International uh, was what preceded that Flagler beat down last night. So, going to be interesting to see if uh, Central Michigan can turn it around. On the other on the flip side of things, though, Sam, I guess in a little bit more encouraging news, even though it was ended up being a loss, uh, the other notable. For, performance was what we mentioned earlier with um the ohio going to champagne and almost taking down illinois who's in that one finally 77 to 75 everyone wants to talk about you know jason preston and and, and rightfully so you know he had 31 points in that game but man uh, the uh junior forward ben vanderplas also had a great game in that one he he finished that night with uh with 20 points five rebounds four steals the Bobcats got a squad, man. I think a lot of people are, are maybe overlooking them a little bit right now or were before this game, but I put them right up there, I think, with Akron and Bowling Green at the top of this conference. 
Yeah, I mean, you got to. I mean, I think everybody who's a college basketball fan knows kind of the hype that, oh, excuse me, that Illinois has come into the season with their dynamic duo of DeSumo and uh, Kofi, uh, Kofi Coburn. But yet they forced them to 16 turnovers. You have to be impressed with their defensive side of the ball. Shot 47% from three-point land, 9 of 19, which is encouraging. It shot almost 50% from the field. So not only Jason Preston's day, Vanderplas's day, I think this was just a solid team performance. Unfortunately, they couldn't get it done. But, hey, if you're a Bobcat fan, you certainly have to have your head held up high. Yeah, no, no doubt at all. No doubt at all. And, the Bobcats got two more non-conference games here um, coming up over the next 10 days before they start conference play. They'll take on Cleveland State on Sunday at home. And then next Sunday, the 13th of December, they'll travel to Marshall uh, to take on the Thundering Herd. That could be a really fun game there with, uh, with Marshall being coached by uh, Dan D'Antoni, the, the, uh, the brother of former Houston Rockets coach Mike D'Antoni. So could be a lot of points scored in that one. Um, let's go move over to the, the women's side here, uh, Sam. Similar to the, the men's program at Ohio, it was a great week for the women's basketball team. And that was the first notable uh, performance that we wanted to touch on here. Ohio uh, welcoming actually Notre Dame to Athens at the Convocation Center, which is a, a pretty cool thing in and of itself. But then Ohio comes out and is actually able to, to win that game. They outscore Notre Dame 24-20 in the fourth quarter and pulled that one out 86-85. Sam, that's, like a, that's a signature win for that program. Oh, no doubt. Is it? This is the same Notre Dame program that won the national title, what, two, three seasons ago? I want to say it was 2017, if I remember correctly. So, yeah, like solid CC Hooks, Erica Johnson, I believe those were the two names on the preseason first All-American or preseason All-Mac list. So, yeah. yeah, they showed out when they needed to. They got a big win. I mean, what more can you say? They did let Mabry shoot for 34 points, but hey, you got that solid win. It was an AP top 25 win. Like, you've got to be happy if you're a Bobcat fan. Yeah, I agree with you. And and I think the thing about this that has to be most encouraging for the Bobcats faithful is that, like, nothing about this game to me when you look at it and you watch the highlights and you, you know, see some some of what went on during this game nothing that happened really seemed like a fluke like it's not that Notre Dame played bad I mean Notre Dame shot 48 percent from the field 40 percent from the three-point line I mean they had 14 assists now they did have 18 turnovers I, I attribute that to Ohio's defensive intensity but it doesn't seem like Ohio did anything here that they got lucky or anything like that, that they can't, you know, isn't sustainable over the course of the season. I wouldn't be surprised to see them kind of use the momentum from this game and kind of go on a little run here. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either if we can continue to see this per high-level performance from Erica Johns, CC Hook, leading the way. They already got another win against Liberty, 76-72. They're playing Kent State in their first um, conference game next. But, yeah, if you're, if you're in the MAC, you got to be worried about the Ohio Bobcats. Yeah, no, no doubt at all. And then uh, the other uh, notable performance, the other thing we wanted to touch on here before we let you guys go, we actually already had our first uh, women's uh, conference game of the season on, on the women's side where uh, Eastern Michigan uh, traveled down to, uh, to Muncie to take on the, the Ball State Cardinals. And um, unfortunately, Sam, Eastern Michigan was able to pull away in this one. They were only up by, uh, by two at halftime, but then Ball State came out in the second half. It just seems like they weren't able to make a shot. 
I mean, yeah, uh, it's it's just been tough for uh, Ball State uh, women's basketball, not only men's, but women's 0-3 on the season so far. Uh, they're dealing without their uh, top score due to injury, so who knows when they'll be able to get uh, her back. But at the same time, we got to keep winning. We got to keep pushing along, and this, this game wasn't encouraging. They lost by 19 to a conference opponent, they shot 38% from the field, like 18 to 47. You never want to see that. They shot 35% from three, which is okay. But at the end of the day, you can't be blown out the door by your conference opponent. Yeah, and and just, you know, three, three games so far for Ball State thus far, Sam, and just three results that are not very encouraging. Three double-digit losses. You lose to Wisconsin-Milwaukee to open the season, but you lose that game by 11. Then you lose to IUPUI by 24, and then follow that up with a 19-point home loss to Eastern Michigan to open up conference play. Yeah, unfortunately for the Cardinals, um, I you know it, it looks like it's it's going to be a tough uh, tough start to the season. You know they've 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 gotten uh, some some good contributions. You know Booker had had 12 points against Eastern Michigan. Freeman had 11 points. Like you said, though, missing some players is you know makes a tough way to start the season going to be interesting to see if uh, the Cardinals can turn the corner here as, as, uh, as conference play gets started. So Sam, any, any kind of, any kind of final thoughts or anything else you wanted to touch on as it regards uh, the opening of uh, basketball season? Uh, no, I'm just really excited. I know it was a, a kind of disappointing uh, shortened non-conference schedule, but Hey, I expect conference uh, season to start even better than ever. And hopefully we have some high level gameplay from that. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, there are some, uh, there are some good matchups to look forward to uh, this weekend in, uh, in both men's and women's basketball in the MAC. Uh, tomorrow, uh, Friday the 4th, Kent State, this is actually a pretty good non-conference game. Kent State travels down to Charlottesville to take on number 15, uh, Virginia. That'll certainly be a game that a lot of people will have their eyes on. Northern Illinois on Saturday uh, travels out here to my neck of the woods to take on, uh, take on Pitt. Um, you know, Pitt, obviously not what they once were in basketball, but still an ACC program, still, uh, you know, a, a, a big name program. So definitely some opportunities for, uh, you know, a couple upsets here um, this weekend in on the men's side of things. On the women's side, like we said, they've actually already started to uh, have, you know, they've already had a, a conference game on, on the women's side. Uh, there are a couple of non-conference games left as we move towards this weekend. Actually, tonight, Buffalo travels down to Richmond to take on Virginia Commonwealth. And uh, that's, that's a, a nice opportunity there for, for the Buffalo women. Got, some, uh, got some, some other decent games. Detroit Mercy taking on Toledo. Detroit Mercy with a pretty good women's program. Um, Buffalo taking on Canisius. Akron taking on Dayton. Got some good stuff coming up here. Uh, it's going to be fun to follow this uh, this season, that, uh, Sam, as, as basketball progresses. You know, we're both big hoops fans, so I'm, I'm looking forward to, to jumping into this and seeing how the, the MAC uh, season unfolds. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And I just hope sooner rather than later we can maybe get back in the stands because I know January 15th we're supposed to be back on – or January 19th, I, I don't remember at this point, but we're supposed to be back on campus, so hopefully – sooner rather than later we can get people in the stands rather than those i'm gonna be honest stupid cutouts <laughs> man i'm with you I, I i see teams putting out advertisements for like pay 75 dollars and get a cutout at the state like who's paying 75 dollars to get a cardboard cutout in there in, in a chair to state i don't know whatever hey not not for me 
But uh, anyway, guys, we appreciate you tuning in again this week. Another great episode on the podcast. We thank you guys for all the support. Uh, we'll be back on uh, – we'll obviously be on Twitter with the Twitter question and with our bandwagon bets this week. Um, Sam, any, any final thoughts, anything else for, for, the, for our fans before we let them go? Um, nope. Uh, hope you guys have been enjoying all the sports that have been coming back because I know football, basketball, there's a lot to keep up with, but hopefully you guys have been just like super excited like we have. I know I'm super excited for Saturday's matchup, Ball State against Central Michigan. So, yeah, hopefully you guys are having a, a great week. Yeah, I, I echo that, and uh, we appreciate the support as always, guys. If you're not following us on Twitter already, get us there at uh, Mac underscore bandwagon. We will see you guys next week. Hope everyone has a wonderful weekend. I'm Zach Bollador. He's Sam Thillman. We'll talk to you guys then.